Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to a mini episode of Cinematic Universe, the podcast that's all about comic book movies, brought to you by FilmDivider.com. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and I'll be bringing you a truncated version of the show to bridge the gap between our Fantastic Four and Batman Begins episodes. On today's show, I'll give you my reactions to the comics that James and our guest Matthew Turner recommended on last week's podcast. Those were Fantastic Four, issues 52 to 60, and then zooming a, a whole heap of years further forward... Um, Fantastic Four issues 570 to 575. But before any of that, let's take a look at some of the comic book movie news that has broken over the past week. Let's start with the subject of last week's show, Fantastic Four, which had a disappointing box office performance to match those disappointing reviews. Um, the film made under $30 million in the US and just under $60 million worldwide on its opening weekend, and it looks very likely now that Fox will make a loss on the movie. Um, Fox, for their part, remain bullish on using the characters again in the future. But interestingly, in that regard, the film rights to Fantastic Four actually lie with Constantine Films, who produced the movies alongside Fox. So if Fox did, say, decide to cancel the sequel and end their relationship with the property, it would be Constantine who would then decide where to take them next. And given that they've held them since 1986, don't expect a simple sale back to Marvel or anything like that. And we know from the complicated Incredible Hulk rights and Marvel's decision to, as of yet, not make a sequel to The Incredible Hulk, a solo Mark Ruffalo movie, um, it seems like Marvel don't like to share their profits. So that doesn't seem like a likely outcome either. So really, who knows what's next for those characters coming off a film that was now famously disowned by its own director on Twitter. Matt Ryan, who starred in the title role on NBC's Constantine last season, will guest star in Arrow as John Constantine, despite his own show having been cancelled by NBC. The DC characters will share the screen on the fifth episode of Arrow's upcoming fourth season. Meanwhile, The Flash has cast Keenan Lonsdale as Wally West and has also teased the arrival of Jay Garrick with Grant Gustin and Jay Garrick actor Teddy Sears suiting up as the two Flashes to recreate the iconic cover of The Flash 123. Legends of Tomorrow has also cast its villain Vandal Savage with the fantastically named Danish actor Casper Crump snagging the role. I don't know which is the better name. Um... 
And also on Legends, the CW's president has confirmed that Legends of Tomorrow will be the last DC spin-off to wear on that network for the time being, whilst also expressing regret on passing on Supergirl. Um, Another interesting tidbit on Supergirl suggests that a crossover between the show and the CW superhero offerings isn't out of the question. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that if Supergirl does get a full season order at CBS, then those shows will absolutely cross over before the end of that season um i would imagine probably the flash showing up on supergirl first and then vice versa mission impossible rogue nation star rebecca ferguson is reportedly one of three actresses testing for the lead female role in gambit uh, the other two are mission impossible ghost protocol star leia sadu and model abby lee who has never appeared in a mission impossible movie to my knowledge um, the, part, <laughs> the part is apparently of Belladonna Boudreaux, a childhood sweetheart of Gambit's who eventually develops mutant powers of her own. The Deadpool trailer finally appeared online and it seems to be splitting opinion. Uh, it already seems pretty clear to me that this is going to be a Marmite kind of movie. Uh, director Tim Miller has suggested that If the film does eventually get a sequel, then expect the villain to be Cable, a character who I think is pretty surprising hasn't shown up in an X-Men movie until now. Um, The rumoured X-Men TV show has been confirmed to be in the works at Fox, but standing in its way are negotiations which first have to take place with Marvel to secure the rights for 20th Century Fox to use the X-Men characters on the small screen. Um, On Disney's animated shows, X-Men characters have showed up on those, so that's kind of the reason why those negotiations still need to take place. Um, The fact that they are taking place, though, suggests that there is a real possibility that it will go forward. Um, And I would imagine that Marvel's primary concern would be to make sure that any potential show is distanced from their own cinematic universe. And also probably that they get a a fair price for the TV rights. Fox has confirmed that if the show does go ahead, it will exist within the big screen X-Men continuity. And finally, Madame Mask, a character familiar to me in particular um, from the pages of Hawkeye, will be a villain, um, potentially the villain in series two of Agent Carter. So she will be getting a distinctly 1940s spin. Um, The character will now be an actress with Hedy Lamarr being name-checked by the showrunners as an inspiration. Um, And I, for one, uh, really welcome that news. From the little I know of that character from the page, uh, she seems like she would be a very good fit for an L.A. noirish crime story opposite Hayley Atwell. And also for a show that has the feminist pretensions that Agent Carter does, it gives the show a lot more to play with in that regard next year. Okay, let's move on now to discussing this week's comic book recommendations. Um, And I think we're going to go chronologically this week. Um, um, So that means we'll start off with um, guest Matthew Turner's recommendation, which was Fantastic Four issues 52 to 60. Um, And so that is nine issues in total. Um, I read these on my Marvel Unlimited app, so I'm just looking having a look at that now to remember kind of basically what happened across those nine issues. Um, And we kind of start off with a a bit of a three, 
three-issue arc involving the Black Panther. His This is actually his first appearance in Marvel Comics, so he's introduced in the first issue fighting the Fantastic Four, after which they form an alliance and we get um, the Black Panther's origin story um, recalled to us, um, which ends with Ulysses Claw, the character who was uh, played by Andy Serkis in Avengers Age of Ultron, uh, showing up um, to fight Black Panther at the end of that issue. Um, there is there's an issue in the middle um, where the Silver Surfer turns up and fights the Thing, and it seems pretty um, pretty throwaway compared to the rest of them un- until um, you read the issues <laughs> that it builds up to, and it's very clear there is a reason why the Silver Surfer arrived. Um, there is then another stopgap issue where Ulysses Claw turns back up to fight the Fantastic Four on his own, and has now kind of reached the peak of his powers. Um, and Black Panther kind of helps from afar. Um, and then we build to a final four-issue um, run, which are all centred around Doctor Doom, where Doctor Doom beckons the Silver Surfer, steals his powers, which is why it was important that Silver Surfer showed up a couple of issues earlier to show off his powers, um, and then takes on the Fantastic Four. Um, and it is kind of across the course of those four issues that the Fantastic Four are kind of able to um, eventually fight back against him. The first issue is basically Doom getting the powers. Uh, the second issue is him showing them off for the for the first time and kind of inflicting a defeat on the Fantastic Four. And then the next two um, show that that kind of fight, the the big main fight going down and um, how the Fantastic Four eventually rally together to spoiler alert beat him um but if we go back to the start um regular millisode listeners will know that i um particularly enjoy reading stanley comics uh and uh this this was no different and honestly it was probably the, the very first page that i read i was like okay well this is this is going to be um quite a bit of fun the the big splash page um at the start has a big image of the Black Panther with kind of the four members of the Fantastic Four kind of um, looking a lot smaller underneath him. It says, The fabulous Fantastic Four are trapped in the incredible realm of the Black Panther, also featuring the way out and wonderful Wyatt Wingfoot. Um, And I had no idea who Wyatt Wingfoot was. Um, It turns out he's just this kind of non-powered guy who's pretty cool, a good friend of Johnny Storms from college, so hangs around and helps out a lot of the time. And then the bottom of this page says, It had to be told as only Mighty Marvel could tell it. Script by Smiling Stan Lee, art by Jolly Jackie Kirby, inking by Gentleman Joe Sinnott, lettering by Hammy Sammy Rosen. Uh, and then my favourite bit is like this little rosette in the bottom corner that says, Voted the greatest tale of the month by Stan and Jack. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether that was a thing that they used to do a lot, but I like the idea of them dubbing their own stories the best of the month. Uh, and yeah, and so this this uh, the first issue sees the Fantastic Four going to Wakanda and fighting Black Panther, and um, and yeah, this is this is his origin story. So this is something that I really wasn't expecting to get from a Fantastic Four, Four comic, but all of uh, T'Challa's origin back in Wakanda and explanation of how Wakanda works, um, and then we. Um, so we we watch them fight so we kind of see black panther's skill set and that it's mostly kind of like that there is some kind of mystical power because he can see in the dark but he kind of says that it's come about from training and from like eating magical herbs 
basically he's invited the Fantastic Four there to fight them so he can test his skills ahead of the fight that he is going to have with Claw because Claw is his real nemesis because he killed Black Panther's father, T'Chaka. And um, and yeah, so he has this fight with them and then basically as soon as the fight ends he goes, oh, um, which the Fantastic Four do eventually win but kind of like um, because he didn't know that... Um, is it Wally Wingfoot, the guy I was just talking about? I've already forgotten his name. Um, he um, he has... Wyatt Wingfoot, he has been off um, disabling some tech that frees Johnny, and so he doesn't... He thinks he's already defeated Johnny, but everyone has been freed by Wyatt, and uh, that's what eventually enables the Fantastic Four to beat Black Panther. Also running through this issue is a callback to something that's already obviously happened on the pages of Fantastic Four, but again, something I really wasn't expecting to see here, which is the Inhumans, and um, the Inhumans that I believe are probably going to be the ones that we see on the big screen um, after Infinity War Part 2, which is, so there's Black Bolt and Gorgon and Medusa and Crystal and uh, Maximus, who seems to be like a stupid version of Loki, the like jealous brother of Black Bolt who wants the throne for his own. And they are stuck in some uh, negative zone, um, which I'm not sure is the same negative zone as in the as in the movie I just watched, but it's because it, they're like basically just stuck inside a dome, like just, just stuck there. Um, and they are stuck there in pretty much... I think like eight of these nine issues. I think it's maybe only the last one by the, that they've actually got out of this dome, but it's told very slowly, unfolds over the nine issues with maybe like two or three pages at a time, just just diverting from the main narrative to tell the story of what the Inhumans are getting up to in this little uh, negative zone. And it basically, again, something that I just wasn't see, expecting to see in these comics um, and surprised me quite how much of the future Marvel Cinematic Universe um, goes back to these early issues of the Fantastic Four. And when we got onto James's recommendation, it probably, if I'd have read them the other way around, I might not have been so surprised to see the Inhumans in the Fantastic Four because um, the, the Jonathan Hickman Fantastic Four certainly suggested that there are some pretty far-out concepts in the Fantastic Four. Um, and it's not just these guys who hang out in this building. There is dimension hopping and there is space travel and there is... Um, all kinds of um, unexpected things showing up on those pages. That is the real, like, experimental sector of the Marvel universe. Um, and so, yeah, Inhumans and Black Panther and Ulysses Claw all in these first couple of issues of um, of Matt's recommendation. And so, in the in the second issue, we get the uh, we get we get the full backstory of Black Panther, and he defeats Claw for the first time. We see Claw's powers, and quite a lot of the powers, and quite a lot of the the stuff that's going on in these nine issues seems to be um, regarding vibrations and sound waves. So, vibranium turns up a lot, and there is Ulysses Claw with his sound, but then. Um, everyone seems to be affecting their density and stuff like with the silver surface powers as well when he shows up and some of the gadgets that Reed Richards comes up with to try and defeat their foes. Um, there is, it seems to be constantly coming back to sound and vibrations and Claw's eventual power is to turn sound into solid form. And he eventually is a being who is made of solid sound. Uh, when he does find his full abilities. Um, and there's similar stuff going on there with the mute 
um, Black Bolt in the neutral zone, um, eventually using his voice to free them from that neutral zone. The the fourth issue, which kind of um, diverts away from the Black Panther, he's around. Um, they play a game of baseball with him at the start. Um, uh, but that sees Johnny, who's kind of away from the team for an awful lot of this, but he's, he's with Wyatt quite a lot of the time. He starts off at college and he comes back for the Wakanda stuff, but... Even when it comes to the Doctor Doom fights at the start, at the end, he is separate from them, and it's only right at the end that he joins them after realizing that his constant attempts to defeat Doctor Doom on his own are not going to work. Um, and in that fourth issue, he encounters a character called the Wanderer, who um, seems to be like a medieval knight who has been in some kind of stasis ever since the like the 12th century or something like that is it was probably my least favorite issue um and johnny gets his hands on this device that he thinks might be able to free one of the inhumans who he happens to be in love with which is pretty much the the link between those two narratives all the way through here um is that johnny and crystal have had some kind of relationship and both desperately want to be reunited um, in these nine issues, they're not. Um, they don't find each other within these nine. Um, but that was that was the link between these two kind of disparate narratives running running through these nine issues. Um, I should actually say on the on the main characters, um, I in in this version of the Fantastic Four um, really warmed to the thing. Um, Johnny is a little bit snarky and kind of the the kind of the quippy guy that I, I guess I've seen represented in, in more modern movies, but not, not the smart ass that he is in the um, Jonathan Hickman comics. He is still kind of like a golly gee whiz kind of kid in, <laughs> in the way that Spider-Man was as well, um, reading this era of comics. Um, and so I didn't really feel that he could quite ever in that situation fulfill my kind of idea of what the character uh, is or or was um but the thing i felt like didn't didn't seem like he was existing in a 60s comic at all he he was kind of like a comedy side figure but like tinged with this tragedy and um just every time he showed up i i kind of liked him just going no i'm gonna solve this uh situation with my fists on every occasion and reed having to pull him back so so often and say no don't do that and he's like i'm gonna do it anyway and kind of realize afterwards uh, why he shouldn't have done something um but he's he's funny and his quipping in his fights with the Silver Surfer and uh, Doctor Doom. It's not quite kip, quip, quipping. It's almost like responding to the like comic book dialogue with a bit of like, oh, shut up, I'm going to punch you. And it's, and it's just constantly, it's clobbering time again. Um, and so I really liked him. Sue is pretty irrelevant for most of it. Um, she... She really does just stand in the background and she kind of is just the wife, um, which is disappointing. Um, I, I, I was actually quite surprised that in the final battle with Doctor Doom at the end of the ninth issue that she actually does have some impact on the fight with Doom. Um, it's not the key thing. The key thing is what Reed does. Reed saves the day. But at least Sue, for once, it felt like she was constantly being very easily defeated by like she was quite easily defeated by um Black Panther and then Claw and um when Doom shows up the first time and 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, there, there isn't much that character in this version other than she is the fourth and only female character in the group. Uh, where and and then Reed, uh, Reed is Reed is um, clearly presented as this genius, this kind of like um, more sensible, thoughtful elder statesman of the group. Um, that family dynamic of the Reed and Sue being the parents and Johnny and uh, Ben being the kids is is definitely there. There is a even if uh, Ben, I don't know how old Ben is supposed to be. He didn't seem as young to me as Johnny, uh, but. Um, there was definitely kind of like Sue and Reed constantly looking after him and kind of placating him and telling him that, you know, how vital a part of the team he was um, and looking after him when, like, he got um, air sick or something like that. So, yeah, um, uh, yeah, the thing was definitely my favourite of the characters here. Um, Silver Surfer was pretty much what I expected. Um, This just cosmic being with like almost unlimited powers but kind of uh amazed by the world in fact he reminded me a lot of the vision um i'm not sure how much difference there is in character between the version of the vision that i read in the avengers comics on the last minisode and silver surfer in this um his powers are probably different although i'm not i'm not quite sure how um uh but yes yeah, so dr doom eventually acquires those powers and I'll be honest, I didn't feel like I, a huge amount of character development went into that went down in these comics. Doom was introduced, he was a character that you just had to know already existed, which it's not hard when he's an iconic villain like Doctor Doom. Um, I'm still not sure what Doom's powers are because he's just playing with the Silver Surfers and all of this, but um, he basically gets like near indestructible powers and kind of manipulate anything at his will and is easily defeating the Fantastic Four all the way through these issues. Um, and it does take Reed outsmarting him with his intellect, um, getting Doctor Doom to fly out into space after this weapon that Reed has created um, to uh, fell him. And that, and that works because uh, the Silver Surfer has been 
uh, forced by Galactus to stay on Earth. So when the Silver Surfer's powers leave the Earth, they are taken from him. Uh, by presumably by Galactus um, and we don't see what happens to Doctor Doom uh, but I'm going to guess he returns um, and yeah this, these are these are more 60s comics that I would say the same thing kind of I said for Spider-Man and the same thing I said for the Avengers which is that these are really fun to read they're really wordy they take a lot longer to read than modern comics I find um, but there's a whole lot to like there's fun in the storytelling and as someone who has an interest in the origins of lots of Marvel characters and and the kind of how how they've been treated on the page over the years ahead of seeing a lot of them on the screen or having just seen them on the screen and wondering how they differ to, to on the page it's really great to go like right back to um, very early on in their roots and see good stories told around them. Um, let's move on now to James's recommendation though, which is from the same series, Fantastic Four, but this is issues 570 to 575. Um, so um, a lot more recent. Um, so it's from the, um, on Marvel Unlimited, the, the original one's the same from the 1961 run of the comic. And this uh, this is from the, 1998 run of the comic um and actually um matt's recommendations were published in uh 1966 and 1967 whereas james's are from 2009 2010 and um i think that the the first thing that really really needs to be said about the jonathan hickman version of the fantastic four this is uh so written by jonathan hickman and drawn by uh dale eaglesham or eaglesham and um Reed Richards looks like David Beckham. Like, not not just even a little bit. He he is the spitting image of David Beckham. And I'm not sure whether it's intentional. Um but I kind of I kind of like looked at him in the first couple of pages and I'm like, who does he look? It's David Beckham. He looks like David Beckham, doesn't he? And then the further into the comic I got, and as you get to the end of the first issue, we are introduced to um, dozens of different versions of Reed Richards from all kind of different dimensions. Um, some of them are bald and uh, some of them are, are different shapes and have different costumes and different powers. Uh, but the one constant is that they all very much look like David Beckham. <laughs> um, to the point where when I saw the bald-headed one with a beard, I was like, no, this is getting silly now. Um, I, I think they've just traced a picture of him. Um, I'm not sure whether that was something that would have ever um, occurred to James when reading. But, um, yeah... <laughs> certainly uh was very distracting for me um but the, so these uh six issues which are make up the first trade paperback of uh jonathan hickman's fantastic four i actually i've read them all on marvel unlimited but the story here um and i was reading um there was an interview with jonathan hickman on one of the like back pages of one of these comics where the um letter pages normally are there was an interview with jonathan hickman and he was talking about kind of what he felt was the problem with Fantastic Four as far as he was concerned before he came onto the book. And he was saying that he felt that it had kind of become Reed Richards and his amazing friends and that his response to that was to take over the comic and do a two to three issue arc to start it off, which is pretty much to all Reed Richards, um, which I quite like. But it's kind of a way of... Uh, resetting that character and um, I mean I don't know what came before but from from the character that's at the start of the first page the character you get in the second half is a character who makes a conscious decision to make a change in his life uh, and a change in his ambitions as a superhero 
to be um, a better family man and um, spend and kind of be a hero in a different way. But Reed kind of goes off and he has this portal to these other dimensions that he has um, neglected telling Sue about. Um, and he's also got the, the, the two kids in this version. So there's Franklin Richards and uh, Valeria, his son and daughter. So, like, the, the idea of him trying to be a family man is is kind of magnified when he has kids as well. Um, but he has this, this ideas room with this portal silver dimensions, which at the end of the first issue he travels through and meets these alternate versions of himself. Um, and in the second issue, you, you kind of spend time with him and these other people. I mean, and these these other Reed Richards seem to be, like, kind of ridiculously powerful they can um affect things across multiple dimensions in universes um and the final image of the first page shows three reed richardses all of the first issue shows three reeds all wearing complete infinity gauntlets um which i know uh, must must suggest that they they have a whole lot of power um and so they kind of say to reed uh look we're going to show you all of what we do over the course of a week and at the end of this week you need to decide whether you want to join us or not you know we can show you the good and the bad the sacrifices we have to make to do the good that we do. So they show him these entire planets that they've terraformed into food sources so that no one in their worlds ever have to go hungry. Um, and they show him um, like how they can just pull a piece of dark matter out of a star to stop that star from dying and save 8 billion people who live in the universe where that star, you know, going around that star... The, the kind of sacrifice that they have to make in terms of um, in terms of doing good is that they have rounded up Doctor Dooms from multiple universes and put a collar around their neck which kind of permanently destroys all of their higher brain functions and they become just kind of um, brainless vegetables. Um, and so... Reed kind of has to decide whether he can take that side of things to affect all of the good. Um, and by the end of the first issue, he kind of decides that he does want to. And the the story is uh, permeated by little flashbacks to him and his father when he was younger. And um, they're, they're, really, they're really good at informing the character and kind of the struggles that Reed Richards has always had as a, as a man. And... Um, wanting to be kind of around people that are also like him, that he's always been popular, but he has always felt out of place. And then suddenly he has this universe where everyone is like him and they can achieve the goals that he desperately wants to achieve. He wants to save everything. He wants to affect everything. He doesn't, he feels like he, he has all these powers and he should use them. Um, and so eventually he decides to make that sacrifice and join these other Reed Richardses. And that is the point when Celestials attack. And I don't know what Celestials are, but they look like giant kind of scary creatures who easily wipe out loads of these versions of Reed Richards. So they're clearly, clearly very, very powerful. Um, and I seem to remember that the one of the planets in Guardians of the Galaxy was the severed head of a Celestial. So I've written, that's probably what I know of them from before. Uh, but basically Reed goes back and and kind of helps. He is, he is the Reed Richards that essentially wins the battle for all of them and kills the Celestials and causes the rest of them to tr to retreat 
But he's then told that the kind of the additional sacrifice that he didn't realise is that none of these other reeds have families. Like they all have their own versions of their families, but to be part of this, you know, Reed Richards supergroup, they can't they have all had to sacrifice that. They don't have family lives because they want to have a bigger impact. Um and this is great flashback to a scene between young Reed and his dad. And his dad talking about how he can't be a good man and a great man. And that his one hope for Reed is that one day maybe he will find the ability to be good and great at the same time. And it seems like that his dad made the decision to be great and left and left a young Reed Richards to fend for himself um, and sacrificed being a good family man. And... Reed then remembers his words saying, I want you to be a better friend than I was and pitches himself with Ben and Johnny, be a better husband and pitches himself with Sue and then be a better father and pitches himself with um, Franklin and Valeria. And the final page of the issue is him just simply uh, walking out of the room to greet Sue and it says, Reed, be a better man. And so Reed makes the decision that he is going to be uh, more of a family guy than this interdimensional superhero and that there's some stuff that he is going to have to walk away from and leave to other people. Um, and all that stuff... I mean, this this is a comic that uh, routinely reminded me of All-Star Superman, which is something that um, I really loved reading. But just this, this ambition, this um, sometimes incoherent ambition or... Um, maybe not incoherent, but confusing, or maybe takes a second read, or maybe takes a little bit longer to think about to actually get your head around the ideas and the themes and the and the, the content. Um, but eventually, it, it really does come together in, into something really interesting. And I, I don't think this is on the level of All-Star Superman, or maybe... Th- so these first few issues that I read um, maybe weren't quite there yet. But they they certainly made me very impressed in a way that I didn't expect to be from Fantastic Four comics. Um, and I loved, I, I loved this big kind of crazy story that was underpinned by a huge character decision. Uh, and that that's kind of what it was all in service of. And, uh, they, they were my, they were my favorite parts of this, um, of this arc. The next issue is a crazy one where, Johnny and Ben uh, with Val and Franklin tagging along go to this crazy alternate planet where there is a a son of I think it's the son of Hulk maybe it's Hulkling I don't know um, uh, who is around and there is this kind of uh, guy who is made of light and this one and this brain that is running around on legs and I had no idea what was going on through the whole issue I was entertained but I didn't I didn't really did not know what was going on um, <laughs> Uh, and that, that was my least favourite and I won't talk about it too much because I just didn't get it uh, just on a plot level I wasn't really sure what was going on but then the next issue was was right back to where the start uh, where it started which was um, Franklin Richards' birthday and it's a really fun issue just again grounding character stuff seeing this family hang out as a family um, Spider-Man shows up to the party and um, it seems like a, a full-on character piece uh, with just all these Fantastic Four characters hanging around and having fun with each other um, until at the end, someone arrives from the future 
puts up an invisible barrier that the Fantastic Four can't get through, goes and speaks to uh, Valeria and um, said that he was sent to give her a warning that the future must be avoided at all costs. And then he says, listen closely, because each word I say was carefully chosen. Um, It is just for you, Val. No one else can know this. There will be a war between the four cities. The dead must not be forgotten. The future man must return to save the past. And all hope lies in doom. Um, And this page is kind of, it has like kids' crayon drawings in the background, which reminded me of um, some daredevil that I'd read. She says to him, why should I believe you? And he says, because you're the one who sends me, uh, who sent me here. And then she recognises something that the Fantastic Four do not, which that this is a future version of Franklin who has been sent back to speak to. Um, and it doesn't play in hugely to everything that um, I read in the in in the in the others, uh, but it seemed like a real tease of what's to come. And the final issue is then uh, the final image of the issue is then Franklin Richards, and it says, "All alone in his room, a little boy creates a baby universe." And it's Franklin hiding under his bed sheets, creating a universe between his fingertips. That's kind of what I mean about the All Star Superman side of it. <laughs> like it just, it did remind me of that. That like just occasionally I was really enjoying what I was reading, but kind of baffled. Um, yeah, and then the final issue uh, concerns the Mole Man turning up, where there is this weird underground city that has been taken over by his mole creatures, um, and that city then ascends to the surface, and there is some really weird stuff that goes on in that issue, and it's very much like the other one that I didn't really understand. Um, and I, I think that this maybe is going to be um, a theme with this series, if I do continue reading, that they, they may be very hit and miss, but that there is going to be some fantastic stuff in there. Um and uh, like I said, four of these issues I really, really loved, and the other two uh, I didn't not enjoy reading them. I just didn't understand them hugely. But um, but yeah, generally I was just really surprised by what the Fantastic Four is on the page, especially compared to what I've seen on the screen. Um, and I do think it probably would be difficult to get some of that um, across on the screen or get to some of that more far out stuff quickly obviously what the more recent film was trying to do by going straight into um the negative zone but i i i'm i'm so much more intrigued by the fantastic four on the page than i ever thought i would be um and i enjoyed reading their origins uh, but i think if there's something that i would want to continue reading it is this um this current fantastic four especially with that tease to the future um and uh, that seems to be setting up a big, big story. And uh, James seems to suggest that he has run kind of all the way through to uh, Secret Wars at present. So um, maybe if I uh, if I do decide to continue reading, I need to strap in for the long haul. Um, but that is it for this week. Don't forget that the next episode of Cinematic Universe will be covering Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins. If you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast app of choice. And if you've already subscribed, then please leave us a rating or review, and we'll give you a shout-out on a future show. You can find more episodes of Cinematic Universe on cinematicuniverse.libson.com, or as we're a Film Divider podcast, at filmdivider.com. You can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter, at cu underscore podcast, or send us an email to cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com. See you next week.